Good morning. Come on in and grab a seat. We're going to get started. Good morning, everyone. Come on in and grab a seat. We're going to get started here. Good morning. Welcome to the Firehouse. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a good morning to be together. A few of you made it last week. We were, like Jeff said, we were kind of considering canceling church. We thought it might just be like Scott across the street and then the pastors or something, but we actually broke 100. I was a little surprised at how many people came. Good turnout. Thanks for coming. I was, we were like praying that everyone would make it home safe. It was a little dicier on the way home than the way in, but we survived. I don't know about you, but after two snowstorms in a week, we started to get a little stir-crazy in the house, especially, especially Sarah being home a little more. And so by the end of the second snowstorm there, we finally like put on snow gear and got the baby in a snowsuit and a backpack and, and trooped down the street to the corner store to get some emergency groceries. It was like too bad of weather to go to Walmart or Safeway or something, but you eventually you start running the eggs and milk and essentials, and you might have a pantry full of food, but there's nothing. How will you ever survive? And so took a little trip down there. Our home life, it's been a little while since I spoke, but um, Phoebe, our nine-month-year-old there, started uh, crawling. So we've had, a, we've had a few weeks here of starting to figure out what is at this level on the ground that she can get to and baby-proof accordingly, but you never knew so many things were in that level. And trying to tell the difference between a shoe and a toy, and they both can look bright and shiny, but... Shoe in the mouth, or shoe in the mouth is not good. So, been working with that, but God's giving some grace to. She hasn't, she hasn't uh, died yet or anything around the house, so we're we're baby proofing as we go. So it's good. Uh, if you've been with us at the firehouse, we're going through a series here called Impassion. We're kind of right in the middle of it. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to continue on today and talk about the Holy Spirit some as it talks. But as it says on the screen there, why don't we pray and then we'll jump in. God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for this chance to be together. Uh, it's, good. it's good just to be together. It's good to worship you. It's good to hear from your word. We just pray that you'd speak to each of us today, even through a few verses, God. I pray you'd speak to everyone's heart. Um, God, I want your scripture to come through even more than what I have to say, God. I, I just pray your spirit would be at work and you'd touch each of our hearts with things we can learn about you and apply and, and change our relationship with you accordingly to how you want us to, to relate to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I said, we're in the middle of this series called Impassion here. And so a lot of this series has just been about how the gospel is foundational to all parts of our life. You know, a lot of us are Christians, and so there was a time where we accepted the gospel to uh, start a relationship with God, and it was how we understood that God's forgiveness came in our life, and there was forgiveness from all of our sins, and we could walk into relationship with Him, and it was freeing, and it took a weight off our shoulder, and then over time... It's like we started to walk back into trying real hard again and, and just trying to do what we, we could to, to live right before God because we knew it was a good thing as a Christian. But the problem is if you've been a Christian for a little while, you realize that, well, you're not really separated from your flesh when that happens. So you still have sin. You still have 
your flesh, you, and after a while you're like, well, boy, I'm, I'm just not living that. I'm not, I'm not quite hitting that mark of, of living just like perfectly like God would want me to. And we can feel separated from God by that sin. There can be a rift. There can be a lack of power. And we wonder, well, what, where, where do we go from here? How, do, how does God's power come in my life? How does God relate to me even with some of this stuff going on? And this morning, and we've been talking through that, but this morning we're just really going to talk about how does the Holy Spirit factor into that equation? How does the Spirit relate to us? And what is He doing in our lives to bring us towards a relationship with God? What is He doing relationally? And, and what does His power do? How does, it, how does it work? And how does that factor in with the Holy Spirit? So to start, one of the things God's been reminding me of the last few weeks as we've been reading through this book is just how the Holy Spirit is personal and relational. You know, I looked up some statistics from Barna. If you haven't heard of it, it's, a, it's a, like a Christian organization that just does statistics on how the church and Christians in general, what they believe and how they relate and if they go to church or not and kind of all those kinds of stats. And I looked up a little bit on the Holy Spirit. And it was kind of surprising and saddening to me all at the same time. You know, they said of people that would call themselves a Christian... That only 58, that actually 58% of people believe that the Holy Spirit is symbolic. It, it's not actually any kind of personal thing, that it's an it rather than a he. That it's some kind of force out there, but we don't know how it works. That it, the Spirit might work, kind of like gravity works, or maybe the power of positive thinking or something, but, well, it's not any kind of personal part of God. And I know there's, there's some, maybe, um, cults or, Areas that would call themselves Christians that might widespread believe that, but that was a high number to me to see that, boy, there's a lot of people out there that this is what they're holding on to about the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we're just going to look at mostly a few verses in John 14 where Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit and help that frame our understanding of the Holy Spirit of what Jesus told us that we could believe. So to put... John 14 in context, we're not going to read the whole thing, just a few verses, but Jesus is, is talking with the disciples here, but this is, this is right before he was betrayed and arrested. So Jesus had just shared a meal with all the disciples. He had served them by washing their feet. He, uh, he ate with them, and Judas had already left to go betray Jesus. And he knew his time was short with them, and so he shared words to comfort them before he would go away. And uh, we'll look at a verse up there, verse 16 and 17. Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and and he will be in you. There's a few things I want to draw out of that verse as we start looking at it. The first is that Jesus refers to the Spirit as he. The Spirit is personal. He will help you. He will abide in you. Jesus laid the groundwork for us to relate to the, the Holy Spirit in a very personal way. Never in the Bible does it, ref- does it refer to the Holy Spirit as it. It's always a he. It's always personal. Another thing to look at 
in there is another word is another. She just said, I'll ask the Father and He will give you another helper. So Jesus refers to Himself as the first helper that He had shared life with them. Like we said, He had just shared meals. He'd walked with them. He'd taught them. You know, He slept on boats with them overnight. He wept with them. And in this verse He said, you will receive another helper. So they would receive another helper that would replace the role that Jesus had been filling in their lives when He was with them. Some of those roles of companionship and leading and teaching. I don't have it up on the screen there, but in the next verse He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So there's a sense that Jesus even related to them as a father would to His children. And that another would come and fill that role when He left. And he goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will be with us and in us forever. So there will be companionship with God and the Holy Spirit, the same God that Moses had to veil his face just to see and be in his presence. That God will be somehow in us and with us forever in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is going away, but another would adopt them and would never leave them. It's incredible to me to think about how personal that relationship is. You know, it tends to remind me of the marriage relationship. You know, I think when we're single, I know it was this way in my own life, one of the biggest needs in our life that drives us to want to be married is companionship. And we want someone to share life with. We want a companion at events like our vacations and holidays and our home life and going out to eat just to share life with. And we want someone that we can share our feelings with in an intimate way as we go through all the ups and downs of life to share our joy and sadness and excitement. And we want someone that will be with us for the rest of our lives, that we can grow old together with, that will stick through us through the the thick and thin of life. And God built those things into marriage, and it's an incredible blessing. I know it's one of the things I look forward to to keep living out in marriage. It's just how to have that companionship through life that God built into marriage. But God also built into our, uh, built a fulfillment to our companionship needs in the Holy Spirit. That He could fill those needs. That He could share in our feelings. That He could be with us forever. You know, the Holy Spirit even knows our thoughts, our heart, our desires. And God is intimately acquainted with us in the Holy Spirit like a spouse would be. And He wants relationship. He wants to hear from us. It's why Jesus could remain single for His whole life and yet be full relationally. He had the Holy Spirit with Him. It's why Paul said it is better for a single person to remain unmarried with an undivided devotion to the Lord because the Holy Spirit can fill the companionship needs in our lives. And in fact, that single can have a better chance to cultivate that relationship and have their fulfillment through the Holy Spirit rather than a spouse would even bring into our lives. So those statistics at the beginning, when over half of Christians say that the Holy Spirit is some kind of force and not a personal being, they were missing on God's gift of incredible companionship with them in their lives. They relate to God not relationally, but just as some power out there, somewhere. And they miss out on a very real and personal relationship that we can have with God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. So then through the Holy Spirit we have this companionship and relationship, 
But there's more to what the Holy Spirit does than just companionship and just that relational aspect. Just like Jesus had this incredible relationship with the disciples, He had spent years with them. He was together with them. But He also had a mission that He was on. He was doing something on the earth. He was working. He was teaching. He was performing miracles. And He drew the disciples into that work He was doing while He was in relationship with them. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is doing something and it's not solely there just to relate to us. But He draws us into relationship with Him in what He's doing, just like Jesus did. And I'm just going to hone in on two things this morning that the Holy Spirit is doing. The first had to do with, has to do with teaching. The next point up there is that the Holy Spirit gives us knowledge of God's will and the motivation to obey. So let's read another verse in John 14 where Jesus speaks to the Spirit. It's up there. In verse 26, He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is teach us and lead us so that the Holy Spirit gives us knowledge of God's will and the motivation to obey. So it will bring in mind all the scripture for us to obey. You know, last week Rich talked about how God uses, uh, uses promises and warnings in the scripture to urge us into obedience. And the Holy Spirit is a vital part of that process. The Spirit reminds us and warns us with the scripture when we consider sin. And He reminds us of promises in the Word and the blessings that come with obeying when we do obey. So He gives us a knowledge of what the will of God is. In Romans 8.14 it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So the Spirit has a will and is leading those that are in relationship with Him. And He wants to lead us into that will. There's one more area I'd like to draw out on that verse on the screen. It says that He will bring remembrance to what Jesus has said. And I think that's critical to stay in that boundary. He kind of gives there. There's some more verses in the Bible to bring clarity to that, but we'll just stick here. Uh, it, says that this, um, it says that the Spirit has a will and will lead us, but that He works with the Word of God. He'll bring to remembrance all that I have said. So the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, the, all three parts of God, they all have the same character. And everything they do agrees with the Word of God, the Bible. And I wouldn't say that this is a restriction, like they can't go outside of the Word of God. They're limited to that. But that's what their character is, all three of them. And so all that the Spirit leads us into is confirmed by the Bible, all the words of Jesus and the rest of the Bible. So if there's a clear verse that agrees with what we're being led into, that's like a green light. Like the words there, all that Jesus has said, He brings that word to remind us and lead us into it. There's a green light. But if a verse contradicts, then it's like a red light. If we think we're being led into something, but there's a clear verse against it, boy, there's a red light there. So we can use the Bible to filter what the Spirit is doing. So if we ever find ourselves in a spot that we're being led into something the Bible calls sin or speak against, we should take heed and repent. And we can get in our heart all kinds of crazy things. 
But that's a filter for us to understand what the Spirit's doing, and it brings a confirmation when we have the Word of God with it. So the Spirit uses God's Word to lead us into His will. And the second part up there, He also motivates us to obey His will somehow. And in the book, Gospel-Centered Discipleship, in the chapter you read this week, it talks a lot about how the Holy Spirit is leading us in a personal and relational way, and that the extent that we can have a personal relationship with God, and specifically the extent which we can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, will positively affect our obedience. So if we know Him, we'll obey. So as an example, take three people come up to you and ask you for $100 to fix their car. Your spouse, your coworker, and a total stranger. If your spouse needed $100 for car repairs, you would almost certainly give it. If a coworker needed $100, you might give it. You might want to know when it's coming back, but they might be able to talk you into that. And if a complete stranger walked up to you at the gas station, you probably wouldn't give them $100 to fix their car. Well, what's the difference between these three people? Three people are just asking you for $100. It's the relationship involved, and it affects how you relate to them because we want to bless people that we love and are close to us, especially those we care most about. And so, too, our relationship with the Holy Spirit affects how we obey God. Let's just say the Holy Spirit was asking us to share the gospel with someone. If we have a close and intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, we'd be pretty likely to obey. If we were kind of acquainted with the Holy Spirit but not intimate, we might obey. And if the Holy Spirit's a total stranger to us, chances are we'll ignore it and won't obey at all. And in the book, Gospel-Centered Discipleship, Dodson says, when we depersonalize the Spirit it becomes much easier to disobey. So where there is no relationship, it is easy to ignore and disobey the promptings of the Holy Spirit because we don't know Him. There's still something missing, though. We can know what the will of God is, and we can be motivated to obey it. We can want it, but we lack the power to do anything about it. How many times have you heard a smoker say that they should know they should quit, they want to quit, but they keep on smoking? Or an alcoholic that keeps relapsing even though they sound like they have a desire to quit? What's what's the problem in their life? Well, they lack the power to quit and to do something about it. And so, too, having a good heart and the knowledge of God's will are not enough because we lack the power to do God's will. The last thing we'll talk about today is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last point up there is that the Holy Spirit brings God's power to our lives and transforms us into the image of Christ. So He doesn't just stop at helping us know what God's will is, but He gives us the power to actually accomplish God's will and to do it. And the verse up there, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more like Him. So the Spirit is at work bringing His power to transform us to be more like Him. In our own strength, we can't get there. We can't obey. We can't change. But when God brings His power to our life, something starts happening. I know one area that comes to mind in my life is the area of alcohol. 
You know, there was years that I, I drank too much and I made a lot of bad choices on alcohol. And I wanted to drink less and I wanted to use it in a controlled manner. But no matter what systems I set up, I just kept failing in that area. I was guilty and, and powerless to change in it. And I went through a few years where the Holy Spirit would bring up verses to obey and I would ignore them. And I kept on coming up with different systems to try to control alcohol instead of obeying. I would try to set drink limits or set rules about what time of day I could drink or not drink or what day of the week. Um, and I would pray that God would bless those little steps. But He was giving me verses and calling me into giving it up completely. And I would ignore them because, no, this is too extreme or I've got different ideas or there's an easier way to do it or ones that would not be so out there and I'd have to talk about how Christ had led me into it. But finally I stopped wrestling with God on it and, and decided to obey. And I certainly don't think this is how all Christians need to relate to alcohol. But I know it was a step that God was working on in my life. And so he gave me verses and counsel that alcohol was a problem and that giving it up would be a good step in my life. And that conviction and prompting of the Holy Spirit that would just convict me of my sin and the steps to walk into. So I eventually obeyed and stopped drinking completely. And the Holy Spirit brought power to that situation when I was obeying the word that he was putting on my heart. And I'd just been up and down and failing. And since I really obeyed and walked into that, um, it's, that was eight years ago, and I haven't had a drink since. And I didn't go to a, a special group. I think there's a lot of those that are fine. But the difference was that the Holy Spirit was working in my life through obeying the word He was putting on my heart and through trusting Him in that. And not telling God, this is how you need to work and this is what you're going to do in my life, but obeying and praying that God would carry out promises that He was giving me related to His word. So being open and being led to what the Spirit was doing instead of telling. And I just share this to bring to light that the Holy Spirit does have power to change us. Not only does He give direction and change our heart to want to obey, you know, in Ezekiel 36, it brings up a verse in the book where it says, God will give us a new heart and give us that will to obey with a changed heart. And that He brings that about. And He also brings the power to change as well. Because without that power, just wanting to do it, well, it isn't worth anything. A lot of people can want to do a lot of things, but there's that power with the Holy Spirit that brings about change in our life and a transformation. And there's one more verse up there we're going to look at is Acts 1.8. It's a verse we talk a lot about to highlight the mission that we have been sent on by Jesus, but it also highlights the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. You know, one of the things that's been a theme throughout this whole series is continuing to apply the gospel to our own lives and then sharing it with other people. And Jesus said that the power to carry out this mission comes from the Holy Spirit being in us and working. He gives the power to carry out the mission that Jesus gave us. And when we're in relationship and obedience, it's not a hard labor, but an easy thing to walk into. And, excuse me, it's a good reminder that Jesus didn't say we would be successful as witnesses when we try harder or when we're really motivated, when we have the greatest tool to share the gospel. 
Rather, we will be witnesses that will change the world with God when we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So this ties together in that we need to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when we're in relationship through prayer, He gives us the knowledge of His will. And He gives the power to obey the Holy Spirit as well. In the Gospel-Centered Discipleship book, Dodson says, In order to experience the Spirit's power, we need to know the Spirit as a person, to begin a relationship with Him through prayer. So he contends that by cultivating a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit through prayer, we'll have God's power in our lives. So if your life seems to lack God's power, if you seem to lack a good witness, if your heart just seems to be crusty and lack the ability to even want to obey, I urge you to review that relationship with the Holy Spirit this week and see how it's going and cultivate it where we can to grow in that relationship and grow in relating to God personally, grow in relating specifically to the Holy Spirit personally in our lives. And we're going to do a bigger series about the Holy Spirit later this year. I think we've been excited and encouraged just by reading through some of these books and, and what it has to say and reviewing some scripture. But hopefully this morning we get started together on a journey of growing in our relationship and reliance on the Holy Spirit. So hopefully as you read the book this week, it encourages you and gives you some stuff to chew on and, and really deal with the Holy Spirit and God on of how, how we're relating and cultivating that. And then just a reminder, even though we don't have small groups at home, we are talking about it Wednesday. So you've got to still get the reading done this week. And we'll talk about how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives on, on Wednesday there. So let's pray and we'll see you there. God, we do thank you for this morning. We just thank you for the chance to look at your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that I think the greatest gift... There's two great gifts you gave us when we were saved that we know we're going to heaven and that your Spirit is in us and we have relationship with you through the Holy Spirit. We just pray you'd help us each cultivate that of relating to you personally, of obeying you, of walking with you where you want to go and just seeing your power in our lives. I pray you'd encourage each of us and help us even Wednesday just discuss this and, and chew on how we can each apply this in our own lives together. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for coming. We'll see you Wednesday.